Hello, and welcome to a roundtable discussion on the Topic of Page podcast. My name is John Mayer. In this episode, I'm joined by guests for a lively conversation on a topic we hope you'll find interesting. In this roundtable discussion, my sister Kay Callum and I are going to be discussing the first season of The Librarians. A TNT show. TNT show. It's already at least four episodes into the second season. Oh, well, we have seen know. none of that, so we can't possibly spoil that. But we're going to spoil the heck out of the first season and probably the, the three the movies. movies. And we've already done an episode explicitly on the movies. Agreed. Um, which I thought was just a, a, a really great stuff. It starred uh, Noel Wiley as a very academic, geeky Indiana Jones, essentially. Yeah, well, he's he's not the absent-minded professor in the classical sense, but he gets so caught up and focused on what he's doing. And I really think they showed that really well in the first episode where he met his new guardian. Well, the movies take place, and this is 10 years after the first movie. Yeah. So he's been working on his own. He doesn't have a guardian, and his interpersonal skills are not so good these days. Yeah, and he's totally focused on getting his artifact, and, you know, it's incidental to him of basically, oh, yeah, there's that nuclear bomb over there. You should probably disarm that while I do this. He's very lost in thought, I think would be the way to uh, phrase it. Yeah. And he plays the the character very well. We get uh, Rebecca Romaine uh, introduced to the cast um, mm-hmm. early on, and then we wind up with those two recruiting three other would-be librarians. Well, and that was a fascinating way to take the premise of the show, kind of starting in the writer's room with that question of, in the movies, in the very first movie, we saw Noah Wiley in this tremendously long line of applicants. And it we, answered the question of what happened to all of them. Yeah. And it really built up the mythology of you've got one librarian, but you've got others. I mean, eventually, I mean, the the job is basically save the world, die, get replaced. Some, the other person saves the world until they die, get replaced. Mm-hmm. And somebody is killing off all the other would-be librarians. Yeah, all the other people with the knowledge that he has that they need because they might be competitors. Well, all the other would-be replacements. Yeah. Why kill off the librarian until his everyone who could fill his shoes are gone too? Yeah. And they're easier to take out because they're none the wiser. Yeah, and they don't have a guardian. They don't have a guardian. They don't know magic is in the world. They don't. They aren't in on the secret of the library. Yeah. And the library, it... I mean, this show is very much along the lines of uh, Warehouse 13. Yes. Um, it's got similar sensibility to Leverage. Yes. Because it's got some of the same people from uh, who did Leverage on it. Well, as a matter of fact, one of the would-be librarians is played by uh, Christian Kane, mm-hmm. who was on uh, Leverage. Uh, and he does just a great job on both shows. Well, and one of the would-be librarians that they recruit is a thief. Yes, Ezekiel Jones, that character is a thief. Yeah. The... the character Christian Kane plays is an art historian, a tough guy hiding the fact that he's really a, a, a genius and an art mm-hmm. lover, etc. You've then got the thief, uh, Ezekiel, and then you've got the mathematical uh, synesthes genius of um, 
I'm blanking on her name. Lindy Booth's character. And she was in uh, Relic Hunter. Yeah. Back in the 90s, maybe. She doesn't look a day older. No, she doesn't. And she um, she does a great job with the whole uh, brain grape yeah. arguments. She's got a... Uh, uh, a tumor. tumor in there, which is part of what's causing some of the synesthesia, and she's going to die from it eventually. Mm-hmm. And they use that very much in the opening two-parter mm-hmm. of can they trust her, can they not? And, of course, they've got a big bad, uh, Duloc, who's plotting to, to reintroduce magic into the world and is kind of the major threat. And is an actor we recognize. Matt Fewer, yes. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, he's two actors we recognize. Because um, in the pilot... A uh, uh, two-parter uh, of the ten episodes. Um, he's again trying to get magic back into the world. He's what's f- who's been trying to kill off all the other librarians. He and his group, um, which is why they, the librarian and the guardian, uh, both meet up and recruit the other three. They're the only survivor ones. But the library is put in danger, mm. so it gets kind of hurled off into a pocket universe, which makes sense. You're taking something from a movie, a TV movie even, where you've got a bigger budget. You can do the infinitely long cavern, you know, cavernous mm-hmm. library. But on a weekly basis, mm-hmm. it just doesn't make sense to do that sort of a thing. So they very, I think, smoothly took us from the world of the librarian singular, mm-hmm. made the changes in the two-parter to put us into the world of the librarians plural. Out in the annex. Out in the annex, but they really sold the annex as being part of the library. Yes. Proper. Yes. But now just had the annex. And instead of having uh, Judson, who was in the movies, played by uh, Bob Newhart. And beautifully done. Oh, brilliantly done. He's in the opening two-parter, as is Jane Curtin. Mm -hmm. Uh, Those were the only two other characters throughout the movies. So they, again, had the full cast come back. But they put those kind of off stage and introduce um jenkins yeah uh played by john larroquette yeah. brilliantly played by john larroquette i was gonna say there's an actor that every time i see him in something i wonder if he can impress me more with his talent if you haven't seen his episodes of uh, the practice i haven't seen all of them and at some point i need to yeah. I may want you to uh, to give me a list of uh, highlight the episodes, seasons and episodes or whatever. Yeah, it's got to be on Netflix. I mean, but going back yeah. to Night Court, yeah, uh, obviously the the practice. Um, he played a different character in Boston Legal. Yes, even though it spun out of the practice. Well, but he you had know. his own sitcom in, uh, between those things. Yes, and did McBride a series of procedurals where he played a uh, lawyer. And those were great movies. They occasionally rerun on, I guess it would be Hallmark Movies and Mysteries. Mm-hmm. But again, just wonderful movies. The Hallmark Mystery stuff is kind of interesting because they they do so many procedurals. We get enough police procedural PI stuff on the other networks that it's hard to find a good twist or angle or something that's not just a blatant, it's all about the twist versus the mystery. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but again, uh, Larroquette is such a versatile actor. Uh, He can be very subtle. He can be very over the top, very sarcastic. Mm -hmm. Well, one of my favorite bits in, I guess it was the second episode, and they even used it in the commercials because it was so funny, is Flynn, uh, Noah Wiley, gets all Mm -hmm. excited and he's got this globe that he can throw into the air. He catches the physical globe, but a lit up 
uh, laser light type oh, show it of a globe. expanded into the globe. Maybe that's what it is. And then when it drops, you catch the thing. Yeah, you know, so he shoots it up there and he points out where they need to go and what they need to do. And all the librarians are so excited and they rush out of the room. And Jenkins is looking at it going, you left your lighty globy thing on. Yeah, and he like claps twice as if it's the clapper. Yes. Well, and the whole shtick there with his character that's so fun is when the library gets kind of cut off into this other dimensional place that's unreachable, they get kind of kicked out through a door. And he's kind of there waiting for them. Mm-hmm. Introduces them into the annex, and they kind of take over his place. Well, but interestingly enough, his place has the librarian's desk. It and does, because it's the same, it's the equivalent room to what was in the library, which is kind of their office. Yeah, and the library always, every day, resets the desk to how Flynn likes it. No matter who cleans it up, no matter what they move. Up until the end, where he gives it to the Guardian, and I'm curious how it plays out second season. Yes. And no doubt, people are listening to this having watched second yes. season, and are already yelling at us. Like, <laughs> I know. Give us time, we'll, we'll watch that and, and record about that, too. Yeah. But... I really liked both the setup of the annex, the two stories where the the doors were. It was a good physical space. It was. And the card catalog. The card catalog and the uh, the clippings book. Yes. Yes. The the door that would take them places. So they got through how they could transfer or uh, uh, travel around the world. Mm -hmm. Um, But also how it was very much part of the library, but also its own unique annex and very very much jenkins space that had been invaded yes yes and he was as tolerant as he could be because he had to be Mm -hmm. but still a little kind of annoyed that you know he he would go off and do his own thing he and judson had an arrangement Mm -hmm. and it's just you know nobody nobody talked to me about this side of attitude yeah exactly nobody checked with me before cutting the cord on the library well and larikat can do the exasperated frustrated but still friendly fatherly kind of Mm mm-hmm guidance and it had been long enough since i'd watched the the season that before recording this about a week or so ago i watched the two-part opening in the finale and what i had loved about the season first season was how it was very aside from the Mm two-parter episodic yes get in do your thing get out you know you've got the minotaur's maze you've got the deal with santa claus you've got the deal with uh whatever the other ones kind of were or whatever and each Mm -hmm. had a very similar to what you would have had in Eureka, Haven, Warehouse 13. I'm thinking there's another show of that ilk where it was just kind of mystery or whatever artifact of the week. Yeah. And so familiar ground, but its own unique spin on it. Mm-hmm. But then the finale where everything kind of pulls together, the villains seem to be winning and they, they rewrite time by cutting the loom of fate. Yeah. And this is where we get Duloc as the other actor, Jerry O'Connell. That's right. Who is, I think, married to Rebecca Romaine. Yep. Um, and, of course, this whole episode is about different timelines. So who better as an actor than somebody from Sliders Yeah. to, to do that? But basically, um, the Guardian is goes from timeline to timeline to timeline. And it's what would have happened if each of these three librarians in training had been the librarian Mm -hmm. how would they have interacted with her what would their history be like what would the world be like Mm -hmm. and how at the end they're able to sort of pull stuff from all three librarians 
to to get back to the real library and kind of go back to the Lumafate, restitch it, and, and fix it. Mm-hmm. And what was wonderful about that is everything they needed they had mm. from the previous adventures in the series. Yeah. You know, and the Guardian calls Jenkins on this. It's like, you know, I mean, the, the clipping book seemed to set this up. So all the library has a mind of its own. But the clipping book, because she was asking how come she was the only one that could could un, uh, remember the different timelines. Mm-hmm. He's like, well, you had the experience with Santa. And she's like, the clipping book didn't send us to Santa. You did. Yeah. And he kind of shrugs it off for whatever. But there's a... A plan in place, presumably from the library, which again fits with the the movies. Mm-hmm. But also, I really respected how the writers had a game plan for the season. Yeah. Of where do these characters start? How do they interact? How do they grow mm-hmm. over the season? How would they have been if they'd been the librarian? Mm. And how each of those individual stories built up into something that that made the the finale happen. Well, and throughout the season, each of the characters was helping the other find their inner strengths, mm-hmm. helping each of the characters build their own confidence. And they were training each other. Yeah. Well, and in the, I guess, second episode, the second half of the two parter, you know, they're in the museum looking at a painting, but it's all three of them that seem to have bits of knowledge that come together to help Flynn understand. What needs to happen next? One of them identified it as a fake, one that it really couldn't be moved because the way the, the frame was anchored to the wall, uh, one that it had like a binary code, okay, they knew this, and how those three are each almost a third of, of the librarian. Yeah. Uh, Flynn's character, um, who just, again, in the movies, he's got uh, like 30 or 40 PhDs or something. He was He was literally a professional student. Yeah. And these others have kind of gone off and had lives. Um, but it was nice how they balanced. They were each needed, yet each competent on their own. Mm-hmm. And what I really loved about where the first season ends is they are still trying to figure out how to get the library back. They know it can be mm-hmm. pulled back. But, you know, Flynn's going to go off and, and, and do a little bit more. Or, no, actually, they, they get the library back at the end. Mm, I'd forgotten that. Because I rewatched the first, like, five episodes. They, they got it all back, so they've got that to play with. That's how they wound up saving the Guardian's life. Mm. But each of the other librarians kind of gets graduated, uh, given their own little mini clipping book, and the idea would be they would go off and have their own adventures. Mm-hmm. You know, and of course, the first thing they do is say, well, you know, it's kind of scary to go off on our own. Let's let's all team up together. I've been wanting to go to that part of the world yeah. you know, kind of a thing. And it basically showed those three having formed a, a bond becoming a unit and, and kind of going off and really having come a long way since the girl whose name is still escaping me uh betrayed everyone because yeah. she was told we can cure your brain tumor exactly she had originally betrayed them because of the brain tumor and they promised to mm-hmm. of course they were lying of course. Well, and then uh, she's offered a, a chance with King Arthur's... Excalibur to, to get cured that way. Yeah. But because Excalibur had wounded Flynn and wounds from Excalibur don't heal, he was going to die. And she sacrificed her potential healing to save him. Yeah. Which kind of bummed him out because he wanted to die heroically. <laughs> um, it's very Flynn. Again, very interesting mindset for him. There's some interesting similarities with the structure of the team and the show with Leverage. Yes. 
because with leverage you had the the mastermind and the the uh, the main con artist lady as kind mm-hmm. of the mom and dad of the group, mm-hmm. and then you had the thief, the hacker, and the muscle as kind of the kids. Mm-hmm. Again, the 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 muscle played by Christian Kane, who's playing one of the would be librarians here, and in this case, he's almost kind of the the smart one of the group in terms of uh, factual knowledge. Yeah. Um, and the other two, again, similarities, but different characters than uh, than Leverage. Mm-hmm. But those two is kind of the junior librarians versus the other two. Similar structure. Yeah. But it works, and it works really well. It does. I mean, in Leverage, uh, they had, you know, that tagline, uh, sometimes the only good guy you get is a bad guy. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of why they needed Ezekiel Jones as a thief. Well, and he needs somebody who's uh, kind of going to get him in trouble at times. Who, yeah. Who needs to go through that path of redemption. Yeah. Ezekiel Jones wearing Santa's hat and just having this bubbling over need to give money to the homeless and make hot chocolate for everyone and mm-hmm. and send the pilot home to his fiance so his Christmas isn't ruined instead of being there to fly the plane and save the world. It was hilarious. They've had some great episodes. Um, some of them, they really, I think, pushed what the, the special effects kind of budget would allow. Mm-hmm. But I don't think they ever really kind of snapped it to the point of, geez, this sucks. But mm-hmm. there are a couple where, I mean, they did some very aggressive stuff. Flying dragons and stuff, again, multiple different worlds. Uh, just the, the, the use of magic on the show, particularly in like the Labyrinth episode. Yeah. Um, they, they really, um, I think, have a, a good special effects department uh, and able to really take what's on the, the, the script and do a surprising amount with it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, I think the expectations for TV shows these days are, are really high. Yes. And this, this met with them, both in terms of the writing, the acting, and again, the special effects and everything. Well, it was somewhat amazing to me because it was so long after the movies. Oh, yeah. You know, and then... At least five years. Yeah, and then Noah Wiley was also doing Falling Skies. Mm -hmm. So he was only in... A couple of the episodes. Yeah, like a third of them. And he had been in interviews saying he was a little concerned about was this going to work or not was this a good idea should they take the franchise in this direction or should they just do another couple of tv movies but you know they they had people who understood the show Mm -hmm. they did some fun stuff with it um and he seems the impression i got seemed to think it's working out all right Mm -hmm. you know and it leaves the door open to if they want to do a movie with him or whatever absolutely could it fits in the timeline it does yeah. Well, if they wanted to do a TV movie with one of the others, they could do that. Yeah. They've left Flynn in a position where he kind of comes and goes. So he recurs, and quite nicely. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think with Falling Skies having ended, that opens it up to him participating as much as he does or doesn't want. Yeah. And I think him being involved in the series helps it a lot. Mm-hmm. And not being there all the time helps it a lot. Yeah. Because it means these characters have to stand up on their own and can't rely on on the experienced librarian. It allows them to make some mistakes, Mm -hmm. you know. But if this were to continue for a few more seasons, it would get to the point where you could pretty much have each of those three librarians plus Flynn as essentially full-fledged librarians. Yeah. Taking on apprentices, doing other stuff like that. 
and you could almost turn it into a kind of a rotating sort of a deal. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that could be a lot of fun. I mean, if they were to play their cards along those lines, they could do it to where you almost wind up with it being two-hour movies, you know, every couple of weeks or something. Yeah. And they're in the background, they're interacting bit part player in the other people's movies. So it's mm-hmm. still that, that single continuity. Mm-hmm. And I think that could be a lot of fun. Yeah. That's a couple of years off. Yeah. Because they need to build these characters, give them the experience, etc. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, for people who are missing, again, shows like um, Eureka, uh, Warehouse 13, uh, things of that sort, um, mm-hmm. with kind of the, the, the metaphysical, magical object of the week or whatever. Granted, it was super science and Eureka, but still, same idea. Um, this really, I think, fills that void. Yeah, and I think season one is streaming on Hulu. The first episode for free, the rest with the subscription. Okay, uh, I haven't checked to see if it's on uh, Netflix. I didn't see it when I looked, but I'm still learning to surf Netflix. Yeah. So, but TNT again um, will be airing this. I mean, mm. it's the sort of thing if they don't have it in reruns, I'd be surprised. And again, it's wholly original to them, um, and they've they've done a good job with it. They had some of the people who directed the movies direct some of the episodes. Uh, mm-hmm. Jonathan Frakes from uh, Next Generation was one of them. Mm-hmm. So, a little sorry to see Jane Curtin and Bob Newhart not be recurring characters, but totally understanding of that yeah um and i think it helped to kind of transition that to another character i was gonna say yeah they not only they do that but they did it to both a character and an actor who filled that role really well Mm -hmm. but that was one of the fun things with the movies is uh, just seeing bob newhart do some stuff he'd just never done before yeah you know seeing him in a fight scene was kind of hilarious uh, and he's he was of course a, still is a, a brilliant actor. He's still I think touring doing comedy stuff. Just amazing. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to uh to watching the second season. Me as well. Been a lot of fun. They've got a, a good cast um if they can keep up the the writing, the storytelling and if the second season has that kind of arc, that through line that really kind of ties things together nicely at the end where there's a series of progression versus random events. Well, they did a really good job with characters, both internal growth, mm-hmm. their relationships with one another growing, and uh, The Guardian just had some great scenes where it's, okay, I tried treating you like soldiers, and I realize you're not soldiers to command. Yeah, this you was know? a complete life shift for her. Yeah. She'd been working for, like, a counterterrorism NATO unit yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah. And what I loved about her introduction is she saves the world from the bomb uh, with, with Flynn's help uh, and is basically given a month off. Yeah. You know, it's big, big stressful thing. Take some time off. And she's like, well, what am I going to do with the time? And she's in her apartment and it has like nothing. Yeah. She lives an incredibly Spartan life. She could, probably has most of the stuff with her at all times anyways. Kind of a, yeah. you know, that's just her lifestyle. Which in comparison to the librarian who is the ultimate pack rat for the world. Yeah. You yeah. know, is just kind of a, a very stark difference there. Um, but again, how those two characters, their relationship goes from having just met to, to being a little at odds to how it ends off, I thought was a lot of fun. It was. Yeah. That progressed nicely. Well, and when she was talking with the junior librarians, if you will, and saying, you know, I tried treating you just like assets, but mm-hmm. you aren't merely assets. And I think it was Christian Kane's character who finally said, how about partners? Yeah. Well, he seems to be the sensible one of the bunch. Yeah. 
you know, if I had to spend time with, with any of those characters, that's the one I think I would uh, find uh, to be the most enjoyable. Ezekiel is just always going and, and, you know, trying to rob things or whatever, and is somewhat well, self-centered. Yeah. The librarian is just too lost in his own head. Yeah. You know, the Guardian's uh, friendly, but very down to business. Mm-hmm. And then Lindy Booth's character is one that at any moment could get kind of sucked away into math into math or, or whatever hallucinations just, yeah get kind of hyper focused on some minute detail or whatever mm-hmm. um but again it makes for a fun mix jenkins is the other one yeah um jenkins is their man of mystery and they play that well mm-hmm. he's he's one they don't know the whole story of we get some clues in that that last episode he's galahad from the round table etc um but where he's been, what uh, all that time, what he's been doing all that time, and why, and yeah. relationship to the library, still a lot more to learn. But it never feels like they're withholding stuff. It's just now's not the right time to tell us. When it seems to me, and this where having not watched the episodes since they originally aired doesn't pay off. We should have done the episode sooner. Yeah. This episode. Yeah. Um, but as I recall, there was one episode where they had an object that seemed to bring out the worst. In everyone. Oh, yeah, I remember that one. I forget what the object was, but it was one that you gave it to Ezekiel, and he really just didn't change. Yeah, and that was an eye-opening moment for Ezekiel. Mm-hmm. And that was what I loved about that episode. There were a lot of places where the characters realized kind of who they were and who they weren't. Yeah. Um, and had to kind of come to grips with some of that. Yeah. But it comes down to, again, a writing staff that thought things through and took the time to put the depth in there yeah this could have very easily been something where every week oh there's some mystery go solve it come back take the artifact stick it away never to be heard from again mm-hmm. and there would be some other plot line going throughout but not the adventure of the week really mattering not the characters really growing mm-hmm. you know i think in some other shows again warehouse 13 is a good uh, thing to compare this to those characters certainly grew over time. They had history, mm-hmm. but many of their adventures didn't matter unless they were central to that plot. Yeah. Whereas, again, the way they weaved these various adventures into that finale, uh, very, uh, I, I respect that a lot. Very yeah. cool. But they they thought through, where do we want them to end? What do we want to do? That means we got to start them here. Here's the through line. Here's some of the twists. And they constructed a good team of characters. Yeah. You know, it's got a lot of, of story potential um, because the three li- uh, sub-librarians or whatever aren't interchangeable parts. Agreed. Yeah. Um, it would be fun to see an episode where each of them on their own has to go solve essentially the same problem. Mm. Just to highlight how they do it differently. Yeah. And we may get something like that, second, third season, whatever. I hope it gets a third season. Um, TNT's been doing a lot of really good shows. And uh, if they, I would like to see them continue doing TV movies that could then spin off into a series. Mm-hmm. Or in some cases, just going straight to series like The Last Ship and whatnot. Agreed. So, anything else? Does that pretty much do it? I think that does it. Cool. The show notes and form for this podcast can be found at www.comicbookpage.com under the podcast and forum sections of the website. Please email us at theguys at comicbookpage.com and let us know what you think of what was discussed in this episode. Thanks for listening.